Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Visit the Vendor Process Training Center to enroll in your choice of 55 plus training sessions that will help you and your team avoid fraud, compliance fines, and bad vendor data. Or just sign up to get access to Vendor Process FAQs and to attend weekly drop-in live Q&A sessions. Visit training.deborahrrichardson.com today. The link will be in the show notes. Every now and again, I get questions that I think can really help more than just the person or the team that asked it, either because I get it over and over again, or because it's a scenario that you may not get often within the vendor team, but when you do, it's a challenge. And subsidiaries plus the IRS form W-9 fits this category. So if you want to hear how to handle, keep listening. Welcome to episode 224, Vendor That is a Subsidiary Plus the IRS Form W-9. So I have clients, subscribers, users on my Vendor Process Training Center, members on the Vendor Process Training Centers. And so I get questions all the time. Uh, Also, I have, you know, webinars out there and I get questions from there. Uh, I do have what I call office hours. It's a drop-in live Q&A session every Friday from 12 to 2 Eastern. Uh, You don't have to be there the whole two hours, but I will be there the whole two hours. Like you can drop in, ask your question, and then go on about your day. And so all the users, clients, subscribers, members, they all have access to that. And I will put a link to that session in the show notes. Uh, If you'd like to sign up and create a free account, uh, you can do that and then attend. Uh, In addition, though, uh, to getting to join the free Q&A session, You'll also get a resource library with vendor validations, um, 1099, 1042, uh, IRS uh, uh, information, along with vendor process uh, frequently asked questions. And also uh, this year, I opened up a free authentication session. So you know you are talking to your vendor or a froster. So sign up for that training if you are interested. But anyway, I have that Q&A session uh, every Friday, but I know that everyone's um, very busy, especially the vendor and AP teams. So I also take questions via uh, email at info at Deborah 
rrichardson.com. And so I'll put that in the show notes as well. And so this one came in via email and I want to talk about it because I think it's, uh, it is a challenge. You don't get it that often. I think in the question, uh, they said that they received it maybe, or have this issue maybe two or three times a year. So let me go ahead and just read it and we will start there. So the question came in and it says, one of our biggest vendor challenges is we have a vendor who has changed the name of one of its existing subsidiaries. The entity's EIN didn't change as a result of the name change. The IRS has not recognized this name change. And if the vendor is saying, Oh, and the vendor is saying that the IRS isn't required to officially acknowledge the legal entity name change if the EIN doesn't change. This means that our 10 match is not verifying the EIN with the vendor's new name. This is the second or third time we have run into this issue and are now issuing paper checks to the original vendor name instead of changing banking info. Is there another way to verify that this name change and process against the original EIN to update information in our financial system? So again, a challenge, but I got to tell you, it's when I was a practitioner, I just, you know, hated when a vendor or maybe even your internal team member, because sometimes they are worse than the vendors, will tell you what you need and what you don't need. So this vendor is basically saying that since the IRS doesn't require um, to officially acknowledge the legal entity name change if the EIN doesn't change, don't know where they got that from. Um, but I just love the way that, you know, they base what they do and what they don't do by telling you what the IRS requires. And so they're really telling you that you shouldn't require anything because the IRS doesn't. Keep in mind that my philosophy is we're not just doing this for the IRS. Um, we're not just setting up vendors and making sure the information is valid to comply with the IRS. Um, better way to say it. We are also making sure the vendor is real and getting a successful 10 match is one way to do that. Um, Also to make sure that the vendor change is real and valid. And again, the IRS 10 match is one way to do that. So the name has changed. And when they, um, the person that requested or that asked this question goes to do the 10 match, it doesn't match. So first of all, um, if you have a tax ID and legal name that does not match IRS records, technically you are supposed to back up withhold because uh, if you, if that vendor is uh, reportable, then, and you don't back up withhold, then your company could be liable for the backup withholding plus the interest and penalties on the amounts you did not back up withhold uh, when you should have. So let's say that vendor is reportable. That means when uh, in 2023, or let's take that back in 2024, January, 2024, when you file for the 2023 tax year, uh, that vendor is going to be on the CP 
2100 notice or CP 2100A notice that it does not match uh, tax, um, the IRS 10 match records, right? The legal name plus tax ID combination. And that's going to throw you into the B notice process. So what I would have done with this one is I would have just put this vendor on hold. And I know that can be a little controversial, uh, controversial. So I would take that on a case by case basis, but you don't want to keep paying a vendor that you don't have a valid, uh, you can't validate that their information is correct. And typically if you do that, or if you threaten to back up withhold, the vendor will be more cooperative and that's what needs to happen in this case. But what I responded with, um, is I split the question because honestly, I am not clear on the whole subsidiary, right? It's a a subsidiary, that's the vendor. If they are a subsidiary, does that mean that they are... uh, have a separate EIN and are separate from the parent company? Or does it mean that they are a disregarded entity and does not have a separate EIN that they um, are in effect, the parent company and just DBNA as the subsidiary. So I answered it both ways. And I don't know if it can be both ways. It just depends on the vendor, but I answered it both ways. So let's talk about the first way. So the first way is the subsidiary is a disregarded entity or DBA, meaning the parent company owns the the EIN, they are the entity and the invoices because the subsidiary vendor uh, is going to most likely have the invoices come in the subsidiary's name, uh, then that is something that uh, needs to be added to the vendor record. And so what I suggested is that they collect a new W-9 and the legal name on line one should stay the same because Uh, the subsidiary is a disregarded entity. Now on line two, the disregarded entity slash DBA on the W-9 should change to the new subsidiary name. And this way you have support for updating the DBA on the vendor record. And again, the DBA should be updated if the invoices have changed to the new subsidiary name. And they probably did, which is why they had, the vendor had to reach out. Right. So you have to have the DBA name on there in order for those invoices um, to post, whether it's manual or they've got some type of electronic uh, system. Now, after they collect the W-9, I recommend that they verify the legal name, which shouldn't have changed because it's just the parent legal name on line one and tax ID combination still matches IRS records. So do the 10 match. And if it matches again, which it probably will, then you are all set. If it does not match, then you can do one or two things. So if the vendor submitted the legal name change to the IRS, but it's not updated yet, the vendor can contact the IRS and ask for an EIN identification letter. Once received, the vendor will submit it to you and then you can save it as support for paying a vendor without a successful 10 match. And that letter that you will uh, most likely receive is called a 147C letter. And that indicates what the IRS has on file 
for that vendor as far as a legal name and tax ID combination, which has not been updated to the IRS 10 match records. So that's one. And then the second thing is if the vendor does not submit or has not requested a name change, which in this case, I don't think the vendor has because they indicated that the IRS doesn't require them to do that. Um, But if they haven't submitted a or uh, has not requested a name change, then withhold 24% from the next payment until you receive a valid legal name tax ID combination that matches IRS records. All right, so that is if a subsidiary is a disregarded entity or DBA. And so that's the first one. Now, the second one is if the subsidiary is the legal entity. And so still do the same thing, collect a new W-9. And then this means though that the legal name on line one should be the new legal name of the subsidiary. Now the disregarded entity on line two most likely will be blank. Um, but the important piece is that the legal name, uh, new legal name should be on line one. Now, again, next step is to do the 10 match, verify the new legal name and tax ID combination matches IRS records. Now, if the 10 match, though, is not valid, can do one or two things. Again, if the vendor submitted the legal name change to the IRS, um, but it's just not updated yet, the vendor can contact the IRS and ask for the EIN identification letter. And once received, the vendor will submit it to you and then you can save it as support for paying a vendor without a successful 10 match. So in other words, if the request has been submitted to change the legal name, um, that matches that EIN and the IRS received the request but has not updated the IRS 10 match records, they will give you uh, or give the vendor a a form or a letter 147C and then they will give that to you and then you can attach that or save it wherever you save all the vendor files with the IRS W-9 because that's your due diligence for uh, paying a vendor that does not have a successful um, legal name tax ID combination. Now, if the vendor does not submit or has not requested a name change, again, I think that's just the case with this person uh, or with this vendor, then withhold 24% from the next payment until you receive a valid legal name tax ID combination that matches IRS records. Um, And so that's what uh, my recommendation, um, based on whether or not the subsidiary is a disregarded entity or DBA with a parent that is the legal entity or whether the subsidiary is a legal entity. Now for reportable vendors, if they are reportable and uh, you file an incorrect legal name and tax ID combination, again, your company could be assessed penalties and fines and held liable for the 24% withholding that was not done if it was required, plus fines and uh, penalties on that amount. Um, Now, what I don't really understand is why um, the choice was made to, because it sounds like they were trying to change their banking information 
but I get why they didn't change the bank, um, but I don't get why they, well, I guess I get why they didn't change the, the banking information and switch to check because they didn't trust the banking information. But also in this case, you don't really know who the legal uh, entity is at this point because you don't have a valid IRS 10 match. And so paying by check still puts you liable for any withholding, backup withholding that is not being done because um, you don't have a legal name tax ID combination that matches IRS records. So the other thing that I want to say, because I know the vendor is going to come back, right? And maybe even the internal, internal employee, because again, they could be worse than the vendor sometimes. Um, but I do, I do want to say, and I did reiterate this, it really doesn't matter whether the vendor is reportable or not, um, or what the IRS records are, as long as you comply, uh, as long as you uh, are in compliance with the IRS, you can have higher standards than the IRS does. Um, so it really doesn't matter whether the vendor is reportable or not. Uh, you want to make sure your vendors are real. And the bottom line is the requirements to do business with your company for U.S. vendors is that they maintain a valid legal name and tax ID combination that matches IRS records. If not, they will have 24% withheld from all payments. No refunds from previously withheld amounts will be made once a valid legal name and tax ID combination is provided. And that's because those vendors will include the withheld amount on their tax returns. So, so put that in your vendor policy, have leadership sign off on it, and do not stray based on what vendors how vendors interpret the IRS rules and how even your internal team members interpret the IRS rules. You have higher standards, but you want to still make sure that you are in compliance with what the IRS requires and that you don't put your company at risk for having to withhold amounts that should have been withheld from vendors who have legal name tax ID combinations that do not match IRS records. So I hope that response helped anyone that has the same challenge or same issues or will help you in the future. Just make sure you kind of bookmark this episode so that if you do come across it, you can come right back to it and you can listen to the two options. And in the meantime, I need to see if, if there is a rule about subsidiaries as to whether or not they are always the legal um, they are always the parent or the subsidiary of a parent that is always the legal entity, or if sometimes they can be the legal entity. Somehow I'm thinking that they might be both, but I need to do a little bit more research. All right. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 224th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.